And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Miller. One, I'm Brad Keston. And my name is Jenny Wilson. This is Stacey Heather Tolkien. Hi, my name is Angela Lee Sloan, also known as the voice of Lucy. Voice of Charlie Brown. The voice of Sally Brown. Peppermint Patty. The voice of Linus on Peanuts. Derek Mackey with Cool Water Productions LLC and Sam Mason are bringing you the first virtual live autograph signing event ever. This is your chance to add our autographs to your collection. We have pictures, Funko Pops, Super 7 figures, private one-on-one video chats, and a group panel. You can find all the information on any of our social media pages just by searching at Peanuts Reunion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can actually also order tickets to our October 10th two-part event on inhouse-con.com. The first part of the event will be the one-on-one video chats and Peanuts panel hosted by Derek Mackey from 12 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Then you can go over to our Facebook page and watch us sign your items live hosted by Sam Mason. We also have a uh, mail-in service where you can send in your items and have them signed by us. Or you can buy one or more of our items that we have for pre-sale. Starting now! The pre-sale items are limited in number, so get yours today. Brad Keston, voice of Charlie Brown. Sally Brown. This is Linus. So, join us October 10th. We can't wait to see you there, and thanks so much. I'd like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. Thanking you for being a Peanuts fan. I'd really like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. This is Peppermint Patty, and I would like to thank you for being a Peanuts fan. See you on October 10th. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 101. What a what. The world of myth bitch. So again, welcome to the world of myth bits. We are at episode 101 where we review issue number 88 of the world of myth magazine. And uh, let me just go ahead and say that there was, again, amazing content this uh, this month. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, all of our reviews. And uh, yeah, we had a blast, honestly. So honestly, there's no housekeeping this week, uh, which actually at the end, we will kind of talk about... Uh, our, our message from our founder, Dave Montoya. So basically that's a good little roundup, I believe. So yeah, um, I think we can just kind of get into it. Alrighty, let's dive in. All right, so, all right. So let's go ahead and jump into Drabble and Flash. Our first story is Younger by the Minute by Gabriella Balcom. And, um, okay. So I'm going to do my best to uh, uh, translate my stream of thoughts that I typed out as I was reading and right after I read. So um, I'm only 30, but this story is me because 
I regularly, like every year, I kind of joke about doing an unbirthday. About, you know, when my birthday rolls around, it's actually an unbirthday. Uh, and and there's a lot of, of psychoanalyses we can get into there regarding society and, and age and percepting age and all that. But anyway, um, I really liked the the wordsmithing magic that Gabriella applied here. Um, I think the narrative was was really like delightful, and it was a woman whose perspective I enjoyed reading from. What did you think? I thought it was very well written. Um, I mean, the content exactly. I cannot relate to the content myself, but I thought it was very well written and yeah, because there are definitely different standards. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, definitely a great job on that. All right. Alrighty, so that's going to bring us to The Fell by Christopher Bice. Um, from my understanding, The Fell is a type of dark or death magic. Um, I, I found it very entertaining. You know, um, the, the, the true test of a man's character is by giving him power. It's, yeah. very, it's very interesting, though, when you include these uh, supernatural forces because... Who's to say that that particular character wanted the death magic? You know, whether or not they're trained in death magic or fire, ice, through the elementals or necromancy, any of the different types of magic. Yeah. Um, whether you can believe that it is given or non-given, you know, born with it. Where it um, came from. Or where it came from. Other than that, you know, uh, very well written and formed out. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool perspective. Um, definitely something I've never read, and I really liked that. I always like the kind of ingenuity of trying to translate something that you normally wouldn't think to translate. So I really, really liked that one. Very, very well written. Great job. That will bring us over to Galactic Apartments by david k montoya what'd you think all right so <laughs> uh we live in a house with with multiple people and um this was one <laughs> that kind of like hit my soul in a way of of relating to the content in a in a very bitter but funny way and i think dave really kind of did a good job of, of capturing uh, that kind of scenario with with a very delicate humor that's not, you know, uh, spit out your coffee kind of laughing. It's just one of those like, heh, you know, those little subtle kind of kind of tidbits of laughter that you're like, I I grasp this, I get it, on a deep level. <laughs> I thought it was interesting how he formed the intelligent life form of a different galactic based upon humans, as though they would act in a humanistic manner, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we feel that, I guess, if you need to use the term aliens, yeah. would be much more intelligent than we are, and yet they're acting in the same manner. Mm -hmm. I, thought that, I thought that was very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Sorry. but there are just some things you can't really escape. Right. <laughs> Family... Uh, you know, roommates, society, etc. That'll get you. Very well done, sir. Thank you. 
All um, right. I think that actually we only had the three yeah. this time. Okay, yeah. So then that will actually bring us into fantasy. And the first one we have on the list is Preparations by Stephanie J. Barty. What do you think? All right. So we kind of had the advantage of talking to Stephanie last week on the podcast for episode 100. And we did kind of get like a deeper look. And it's kind of funny. I read this part before we got to talk to Stephanie. And I thought it was kind of funny how uh, our conversation, it kind of like affirmed my thoughts. And so um, I really liked how this story uh, kind of took us down a different route uh, regarding love and um, how love is, is a unique, powerful energy in and of itself. And I think when, and, and I hope, you know, Stephanie would agree, you know, uh, the perceptions we have growing up, especially girls, we're kind of shown these really toxic ideas of, of romance and relationships and love and what it's supposed to be. And through fairy tales, even through movie, TV. And this one, I think, did a beautiful job of showing that when we have those kind of expectations of how how love should look because of what we've seen, what we have grown up watching. And that's not the case. You know, every romance is different and every relationship is different and you're going to get something different out of it, especially if you don't have these these preconceived expectations. And um, when I wrote down my thoughts, they were a lot more sensical. So I'm trying to kind of, like I said, summarize. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like how Merrick and Celeste, they're more than romantic partners. You know, I like that they're collaborate collaborators. They, they have to work together beyond typical romance. It's, it's, much deeper than what we expect. And um, yeah, so I'm really excited to read more. I know there's a little bit more to go uh, with these two and their stories. So what about you? I thought it was a fantastic idea um, between like the love aspect that you speak of um, and, and from different, uh, different perspectives on that. Um, I definitely am curious to see how this one plays out, um, and uh, it was, it was uh, definitely well-written, well-paced. Thank you very much, Stephanie. And that will bring us to Marrow, Part 1, by Clark Zlachu. Now, this one, I thought, was very well executed in the visual and tone aspect of the story. You know, um, he really set an environment for his characters to, yeah. to play in. You know, uh, definitely can't wait for more on this one. You know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. My notes were were identical to that. You know, and I I loved this one so much, and and I felt everything that our main character Jeff felt. You know, the want, the urgency, the alarm, even the the hesitation. Um, I think that this was an amazing introductory to a fully fleshed out story and um 
I, I really can't wait for more. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat. And um, I, I guess you could call that, like, disappointment because I'm, I'm really impatient. And so I, I really cannot wait. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I loved the atmosphere. Um, you, could, you could smell the ocean and, like, the liquor and the ambiance. You know, the entire environment that Clark produced for us was the the it was a bewitchment the same bewitchment that Jeff felt you know when he was in there and I I don't know about you but that's I felt that same kind of like awe oh yeah definitely and yeah so I think I think Clark did stunning job and I I genuinely I cannot wait to read the next part so thank you very much, Clark. So that'll take us to The Iron Seal, a Catarath short story by Jeff R. Young. So if you listened to the last review, you probably heard me go on and on and on about how I try not to make comparisons. But, and I mean this in the highest regard, um, again, throughout quarantine, we uh, re-experienced uh, the Witcher game series, and I also finally started to actually read the short stories. And this one, I don't know exactly why. I think it was the the setup, um, but it really made me think about the Witcher short stories, and I really like it. Uh, Jeff did a really magical job of telling a really like unique and deeply thought out fan fantastical uh, realm. And he did it with such, such a, like a simple encounter and the, the act of going to collect an artifact. And we're not only learning about short tempered Lords, but by the end of it, um, there's the entire budding of a whole history of a civilization and I think that was that that Jeff did a really gorgeous job of writing it so smartly to kind of tell us all of that information in like such a, a an easy way that it just it breathes into this story and um I like in my notes, I pointed out, um, you know, how they say if it's boring to write it, it's going to be boring to read it. And that was the polar opposite of my reaction because I had so much fun reading this one. And so and I, I hope Jeff had fun writing it because it feels like it. So, um, yeah, this one, I, I really love this one. <laughs> I liked how he brought in returning characters from The mm -hmm. Rising. And um, definitely was like a, I guess you call it a, a short story side quest type of, mm -hmm. type of deal going on. And I think that's probably why I was, I compared it to The Witcher because that's kind of what The Witcher short stories are. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's, that's where like I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think. Sorry, he, I didn't mean to interrupt I, you. <laughs> I think, I think he could, if he had enough short stories, uh, create a long you know, version or story of these short, just even an anthology. Yeah. These like these short characters. little quests, yeah. you know? And I think that's kind of, I think I had kind of gotten into that too last week. Um, so yeah, so we have high expectations from you, Jeff. 
that's right. what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> which, speaking of which, uh, Jeff's ebook comes out on October 6th, I believe. I'll double check that. But uh, just in case that didn't make it into the housekeeping. Anyway, that'll take us to our last and final story in the fantasy genre. And that would be The Missing Unicorn in the Land of Zombie Fairies, Part 12, by Mr. David K. Montoya. So, I know that this story is, we're drawing nearer and nearer to the end. Um, And I'm scared because I don't want it to end. (laughs) You know, um, we've, we've gotten to know these characters so well, and, um, I, I, I think that's kind of been the hardest part so far about doing these reviews is especially when you're reading like chapters, it makes you, I get attached so easily is basically what I'm trying to say. So anyway, um, I liked the way that this one, um, up to this point, we've seen Olivia and Emma together pretty much every step of the way. And, um, and we've gotten a lot of information about each of their personalities uh, and grown to know them and see them like traver- traverse each and every trial that they've had to encounter, which it's been a lot. Like every chapter, there's something new that they have to deal with. And now that they're separated, which pretty much happens like early on, so I'm not giving away any spoilers, I'm I'm very eager to see... And learn about what... Because the only time they were separated was... Was it last? No. It was a few chapters ago. And they were separated. But it was only for for a minute, you know. And it was gut-wrenching. And so now that they're actually, like, physically separated... I'm... I'm eager to see what's coming. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So... I definitely like how it's being paced out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, the pacing is perfect. And that's sent towards the character. <laughs> yes, he is one of the favorites. All right. So that wraps up fantasy. And uh, I think it's probably perfect timing to jump into horror because we are uh, just entering October. So I'm quite excited. Uh, all right. So here we have our horror horror section and you didn't see me do a big flourish but I did a big flourish with my hands for horror Uh, and sprinkles and confetti (laughs) just flew it did we love October in this household although it was black confetti it was black little uh, cute spooky confetti all right so our first story is earworm by John Tim what did you think sir I definitely liked it. I I believe it was a cautionary tale over advertising myself, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and how our brains actually, um, how they uh, react to repeated ideas and how we can be easily influenced by certain ideas, you know. Um, So I guess it is a true-to-life horror story, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Very well done. Yeah, that was kind of, that was in my notes, too. yeah, I loved this one. It uh beginning to end, you know, it was it was short and sweet. And I I ate it all up, you know. <laughs> it was uh 
and what made it so creepy, like you said, it's so plausible, you know, um, and it really felt like you could you could succumb to something like this so easily. And that comes from from John's talent, I think, um, because he made this this outlandish concept seem so perceptibly real and creepy. And then um, that and, and I love theories about cults and brainwashing well it almost feels like it you can take it out of a chapter from the apple commercial remember the apple commercial where the lady runs in there with the computer and everybody's like watching the giant tv remember that one no during the commercial and she's like yeah she throws the weight to the tv and destroys the man talking and everybody's free that's all it takes that's all it takes (laughs) so yeah so this one i think did a lot to kind of inspire that like realistic creep factor and i love it so oh yeah i definitely loved it um that's gonna bring us over to the source of friar santiago de guerra de vargas monstrous crimes part one by robert masterson now i thought this was an excellent visual of the perspective from a priest you know uh, it was during the Spanish colonization of the Americas. Um, and I really enjoyed the perspective of the priest because he believes he's doing this good for, you know, the church. And he's helping these people, even though, you know, uh, he gets into detail of what they're actually doing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, against the um, native people. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's very refreshing to have this take on the, I guess, see, that's kind of hard, though, to, to say if he were the villain or uh, um, what would you call it? The, uh, well, what villain in, in any sense of fiction thinks they're the actual villain? Right, because he believes he's the hero. Yeah. You know? Um, in, 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 he believes he's the hero, even though, you know, today we believe differently. Mm-hmm. I always find that refreshing. Kind of like that movie. I can't remember the movie's title, but it was about the, the German soldier and he was like listening in on conversations, right? Even though he's the enemy or even look at, uh, uh Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. when they're at war and, and that, uh, I can't remember what soldier it was, but he breaks in there. And the Germans got him on the ground. He's like, wait, 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 wait. We don't have to do this. Yeah. Right? And that got way far off of the story. <laughs> but it's 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 just it's it, it's in the same realm as the storytelling of a different perspective. Exactly. It's it's a great, great use of perspective. And and I I love how haunting this this first part was. And um it just it it was a very like brave like dude you you are very intelligent and very wise and the way you went about putting this down was brilliant and um the title gave us a lot of expectations but 
even just the like the way it was written constructed I'm still not even sure what to expect or or anticipate in the coming parts and that's exciting um and the 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 last line by the time I I wrapped it up it it genuinely just gave me chills it was so perfectly placed I just this this one was a perfect perfect story and um probably one of the the scariest um one of the scariest so I love it and I I don't think I could speak higher about it excellent work all right that will take us to Rose and her sister by my girl Dawn DeBrawl and everybody knows Dawn has my heart (laughs) with her her wacky uh super uh out there ideas and I love them um and this one, I'm taking over this one. Sorry, I'm not even going to ask you yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I love how Dawn takes these mundane, like monotonous uh, lives. And she turns it into the polar opposite, <laughs> you know. And this one was another win for me. Um, using Using another kind of trauma... And contorting it into this villainy that you might have only had like a fractal idea existed um, from the beginning, but it was it was a perfect concoction of reality and fiction. And um, as opposed to to last issue's story, this one isn't like super fantastical. This one is painfully real. And initially, I was like, oh, this makes me think of the bond between Sally and Jilly from uh, uh, Practical Magic. And then it didn't. <laughs> now, that was cut super short. And it just took this twist. And Dawn is is really the only one I think has that, like, power, you know, with, with the way she, she uses those twists for her stories. And I, I just, I love this one, so... I thought it was interesting um, how each of the horror stories this time around did happen or could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what really sits in her story is as though this could have happened. Yeah, there's know? nothing unbelievable about it. Right, right, right. Excellent work, Don. So that's going to bring us over to action and suspense. And first up, we have Liberty's Run, Interlude 2, by Walter G. Esselman. So, I really enjoy how Walter paces his stories mm-hmm. in, 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 in a, like a classic action style, you know. Um, definitely, he was able to pull his characters together for more development this uh, portion, I guess you need to call yeah, portion. No, I, I, that's what I really like about the interludes is that we're getting like these other characteristics for these, these characters So go on. Sorry. Right. So either portion or, or, you know, a little chapter, if you need to call it that deleted um, scene, well deleted scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it definitely, it helps build the characters for sure. Excellent. Excellent work. This, this, uh, this week, sir. Yeah, that's pretty much what, what I put down. I just, 
I yeah, I lo- the pacing, everything is is amazing, as always. So. Hey, and we'll see what <laughs> Uncle Danny pulls out next week, huh? I know. Or next, next month. month. Yes, next month. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's almost like a TV show. It is. All righty. So that's going to bring us over to Night of the Magician by Walter Gearsback. Now, I really love how Walter p- plays with his characters. Mm-hmm. He He really makes them... So true to life, you know, uh, doesn't always make them the most lovable characters, but he gets his point across, you know. Um, you know, this one particularly was about a lawyer, right? And, uh, well, you know, lawyers speak for themselves, <laughs> you know. Uh, excellent work. Excellent work this week. What'd you think? Yeah, so... Um, here's the weird thing, and it's something I'm experienced. I don't know if if Stephanie or Dave experienced it, or even if, if it's something you, Joe, are experiencing. Um, but as we're diving deeper into these stories and like familiarizing ourselves with with the writers, um, in our in our first review, uh, I didn't realize until reading Night of the Magician, um how it really puts an interesting hold on my mind regarding expectations. And this was one that like superseded them. And I I read over the story a few times um, because I wanted to pick up all the nuances, uh, the the staggered stresses, the the anxieties, um, everything that wasn't like in plain view from the get go. And because our main character has been alone with his thoughts uh, to to kind of obsess over what he did <laughs> that was wrong or bad rather than what he might have done that was good or decent. Then again, I mean, the ending, like if you're an overthinker like me, the ending is is like I think on its face, it's it's very obvious but I think there's some more depth in there, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, without any spoilers, <laughs> he said uh, convinced and not actually innocent, you know. So so whatever your intentions, Walter, um, I loved, loved this one um, and the concept of, of how we all dwell and linger on all the wrongdoings. Uh, because those attributes are are oftentimes easier to focus on rather than like the positive things we do um that others around us might see so so i liked this take a lot oh yeah definitely and when i said we know lawyers i didn't mean in a derogatory form i just meant well they're lawyers yeah that's <laughs> I, mean, I think that's kind of where like it's left open for for open end right you know um so so i really like the the subtleties and suggestions, you know, it could be, it couldn't be kind of things. So. Right. 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 Excellent works there. That's actually going to lead us over to a new life for Sarah by Gabriella Malcolm. What'd you think? All right. So this was one, you know, we, 
we see this scenario in, in countless films or TV, and it always happens so fast. Um, usually it's it's like a montage or something. And so I know I've never really gotten the pleasure of kind of reading this concept in a more slowly paced uh, a format and and with all the anticipation and the stresses and and everything that's happening in a situation like this and where um we got all the information we we need to understand and comprehend what's happening with Sarah um but we're still kind of left craving more you know and um yeah I definitely feel that you can build off of this character maybe give some more context of why you know she is uh running away you know um or or or, you know you could also continue on you know and and definitely you can build her yeah you know um excellent work though oh yeah yes all right that will bring us over to californication by Red Hot Chili, but no, by <laughs> Doug Hawley. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was interesting for sure the the format that he yeah particularly took. Um, uh, you know it 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 was interesting. It was like a news report, but in 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 story format. It was interesting. That's I think that's why I liked it because I've never seen something formatted like that and. When it's presented in that that style, um, everything feels factual. So even though the story takes place a little bit, you know, in, in the near future, it's easy to feel that everything is 100% actual. And my notes for this one are kind of long, like, sorry. Um, <laughs> and so I won't lie, like within like the first like three sentences, my, my feathers got a little ruffled and I'll explain why. Um, I'm, I'm a native Californian. I've been here since I was born. So like within like the first like couple sentences, I was like, wait, what? But then as I read, I'm like, there are no lies here whatsoever. (laughs) Like this is, this is true. And, um, one one thing I, I pointed out in my notes was how it's funny because Joe was born in California, moved to Arizona, then moved back. And I can definitely attest to the when you're asked why they don't like Californians yeah. coming through with Arizona and it's it's uh it's pretty much the same to where they're like, Oh well they, they come through and they you know, and nobody has a straight answer to why. Yeah. But it, I think it's funny because, like, it was the area that Joe lived. It was super low cost of living. It was super affordable. But then... Super small. Super small, super home, you know, like, grassroots everything. There were really, like, very few franchises. And then Californians started moving in there and now if you look at like rentals if you look at house costs if you look at all that it's all it's it's similar to living 
in certain areas in California. And so that's what I mean when you're kind of like, there's no lies in this story. Like, we've seen it happen. Yeah, but I could, so. I could, I could definitely uh, attest to some of his characters, though, because you have that such high cost that they're bringing over there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or we mm-hmm. are bringing over there. And, you know, uh, work is not exactly of plenty out there. You know? Yeah. Especially, I'm sure, a lot of, of them now are commuting to nevada yeah so that could be problematic <laughs> you know i mean none of a lot of those characters don't have uh food for not yeah know? so no i i liked this one i thought it was really like hilarious and super well paced um i'm really excited to see part two um and i just i love how the narrative was delivered and um yeah, I, I like my whole all my notes are just complimenting like the format and everything. So very well done. Excellent work there. All right. So that will take us over to her name was Barbara Allen by Anita Gorman. Um, Again, I'm going to take this little segment hostage because I'm a sap. Um, hard on my sleeve, cry at TV commercials, plain and simple. I am a sap. Like Joe and I have a running joke that I cry at. Like everything, I have to cry at least like three times a day. So, um, of course, my my eyes were nice and soggy by the end of this one. And even going back to Night of the Magician by Walter Gearsback, uh, this one had a lot of notes of the psyche. Um, of where we plant our attention, how we focus on our wounds and and our hurts. Um, And we don't always know how to place those feelings or deal with them. And so sometimes we'll we'll lash out. We might sabotage ourselves. Um, We might not even, like, think we deserve love and kindness. So so I don't know if Anita um, intended... Barbara to be the sort of character that speaks volumes um, in what little she does say because it's all uh, uh, you know third party kind of kind of translating the story um, and I, I just think Barbara was was painfully relatable and there's there's so much beauty in what she's lost you know the guilt she might have and, and felt and everything that caused her turmoil and and the ending while it was it was sad it was you know even devastating it was also stunning and and just beautiful and i can see how this was orchestrated to kind of be assumed to be the beginnings of like a wives tale something that's going to transcend generations and I just I really really admire the way this one was 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 paced and put and and it was just it was a really beautiful story. Excellent work and it definitely a beautiful story. Um very well done. Thank you. That's going to bring us over to science fiction with starting with The Mountains by Jim Bates and I am definitely glad that Jim ended this the way that he did on this journey uh, for us and the characters. Um, you know, 
there definitely is always going to be light at the end of the tunnel for whatever situation. And this story clearly does that justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, what a, a beautiful conclusion. And like, I can't even think of how happy I am for that finale. And, and after each chapter, each one more stressful than the last, to have that moment of relief was a nice feeling. <laughs> you know, it was very um, fitting for the entire tone of, of each each piece of this story. And um, I think up to this point, uh, the readers are as hopeful as our characters for their futures, um, but also scared for them because we don't know what to expect. And we're there alongside this journey. You know, we're, we're unsure of the path. And um, so reach, reach that point where we landed. It was, it was a very warm satisfied feeling and Jim has such a a brilliant inflection to his words um that I've loved from the minute I started reading his work and there's so much power in what he has to say and how he says it um except now (laughs) the only thing that really sucks is the story's over and I'm like what do I do I and I, I just I really would love an epilogue to this I would love just nothing stretched out, nothing too long. We don't have to dwell. I just really want to know more about where we ended up. Um, so hopefully, I don't know. I don't know if, if Jim has any any idea if he wants to do anything like that. But if he does, I will eat it up. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, there we go. Great work, Jim. Thank you very much. That will lead us over to The Search by James Rumpel. And this was another story that I found very interesting about how it was paced out. Um, So, with a man who has a complex, you know, a life complex... Um, you know, to find out that there is something very large at work, you know, beyond his own being. I found how he wrote that very interesting. Yeah. You know, um, very well written, sir. Yeah. I, I, my notes, I have, what a beautiful story. Um, I loved every word of every sentence and drank it up. Uh, James did a beautiful job of summing up so much despair tainted with hope. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a technique like that. And, um, he did it so eloquently and it's a sad story, undoubtedly. Um, but all I felt by the end of it was hope too. You know, I felt very hopeful by by the the time we reached that last sentence and I don't I just I don't think I can praise this one enough um James Rumpel is another weaver you know he's he's like this this story weaver that I I really admire um 
because he has such a, a talent for telling unconventional and unique stories. Oh, absolutely. But they're so easy to comprehend, you know, and they're so realistic. And I just, I, I really love this one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I believe that's what the entire story was really about, was mm-hmm. hope and things that are working, that are in a large spectrum that we can't see, you know, because our mind is always in the future, you know, and and when the future is presented to you and you're like, well, you know, he, <laughs> he only has to look forward to the present now. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Very well done. All right. So that will take us into humor. And that would be The Ups and Downs by Steve Carr. This one left me kind of speechless, um, but in like the best ways. Uh there was such an ease about the way Steve kind of portrayed these absolutely wild, bonkers ideas. These these takes on perception. And nothing, nothing about this story, even though we know it is, it doesn't feel like it's le- out of left field. You know, it, it feels natural and organically produced and um again you know it it centers back around to the the concept concept of perspective and i just i thoroughly enjoyed the idea behind understanding what is and for whom you know and on top of that i think um the imagery that Steve kind of painted was it it reminded me very happily of Jim Henson maybe Jim Henson on acid but I love Jim Henson you know work with a passion and this is like a story that you know uh I would love to see like even Brian Henson Jim Henson's son like bring to like visionary life I think that would be so cool but like I totally pictured this in a a Jim Henson kind of labyrinth way and um I just I really liked this one I thought it was a really like perfect finale for the fiction section what what about you I definitely enjoyed the imagery and and definitely all of the fantastical happenings within the story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can definitely see how you were talking about a, a more of a Jim Henson's type of scenario, just like visually and and even like the construction of the the humor aspect, because it's not like this this laugh out loud kind of funny. It's this like I don't know I. It's just this this like thoughtful kind of humor where you're you're just kind of with it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, definitely excellent work there, sir. Indeed. So that wraps up fiction, our fiction section, and uh, wow. So that will take us over to poetry. Poetry. So our first poem is Respeto for the Birth of Venus by Stephen Bruce. Now, I'm admittedly a little biased here because the Birth of Venus is, is one of my favorite works of art, like, in, in the entire existence of art. Um, and I remember when I was little, 
my mom had these these magnets on the fridge and one of them was the statue of david and the other was venus and they were like paper dolls you could put magnetic clothes over them because why not it was the 90s um anyway so it was kind of like during like this traumatic time in in our lives and it was a lot of comfort so like anytime i look at venus like it's just a a, a good uh uh holding in my heart so um anyway made it way too much about myself the point is um i i think that this one was a perfect perfect homage to botticelli and uh the birth of venus and um you know accenting the work with a story um and as we're really getting to know stephen bruce in these reviews I, I really see his uh, brilliance and his capabilities um, in how he talks and writes so beautifully about these works of art. And um, I just, I really love this one. But again, I'm a little biased. <laughs> Excellent work on that poem. All right. So our next one is Hand of a Poet by Jeff R. Young. What were your thoughts? I thought it was a fantastic poem about the true power of the writer, you know, mm -hmm. and the and the environment of the story as a whole. Yeah, um, this one, like, it, it, I I love how this one gets into the psyche of a poet and how uh, poetry comes to be, um, as it were, at the hand of a poet. Um, and so I love, love, loved the line, but as I gauge my future from my past, and I know it continues, but that line to me, I just, that one stuck in my head um, because I think it's so poignant and relevant to being an artist and um, in whatever capacity. And I, I just think uh, this one is a beautiful way to claim how possibly tragic, but also like super powerful and consuming poetry and its art is and at what cost to its writer you know so I, I agree with you about the environment like it really sets that environment so definitely excellent work on that <laughs> all right next up and oh gosh i am rusty on my german so sorry guys uh we have almin guilt verspilt by jack d harvey so this one was another one. I think you should uh, speak with a little more anger towards the pronunciation. <laughs> Maybe. Almin gelt wer spilt. Verspilt. I have a German friend I should ask her. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Look at us, two Americans speculating on yeah. German pronunciation. Yeah, really poorly too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one, um, kind of like uh, The Birth of Venus and taking on these these worlds of uh art and and these um historic ideas in this one i think um it was absolutely stunning stunning and um jack you know he tackled it like head on from th this novel from hundreds and hundreds of years ago and he's paying this beautiful homage to it and dissecting it in this picturesque way. And 
he really has a talent for for grabbing and maintaining the attention. So, um, you know, I, I've never read the novel, but like I got it. I got everything I felt I needed from the novel. You know, this this not ancient, but nearly ancient, you know, uh, uh, take. And, um, it just, it, it, it was, it was, like I said, it really like maintained attention and, um, it made me want to, want to like understand and kind of, uh, comprehend more about it. And I don't know how easy it was for Jack because we are traversing like an entire life in this piece, like, beginning to end, and, I mean, many, 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 much, much, much kudos to you, Jack. That was beautiful. Very well written. Thanks, sir. All right. So that will take us to our next poem, Apocalypse by Christopher Bice. And I've kind of taken this whole thing hostage, so what did you think? That was an interesting poem about the setting the bomb, about the entire structure and in, in, in the, the entire environment about what is about to happen you know mm-hmm. uh once things that you know there's no turning back you know yeah um but uh yeah definitely i, I love the the format and uh i love the message behind it excellent work there sir yeah and i feel like whenever you end a poem the way uh christopher did it's it's like automatic chills so yeah very very powerful that's gonna roll us into doom and gloom upon the eyes by linda imbler uh i found this a very interesting about the whole death behind caesar mm-hmm. you know uh even when the uh what they called the soothsayer i think that was the soothsayer yeah. said beware the eyes right and i mean which is interesting because he wasn't the most likable guy, mm-hmm. right? And then you had uh, his right hand, Brutus, right? Mm-hmm. He stabs him too. And it's like, man, you know, even though he had pretty much the most powerful position in the government of the system and he was acting like a jerk, you know, um, but that's that's pretty much, you know, you, you, you just uh, you give, you get too much power and that, that'll just corrupt you sometimes or corrupts the character anyways you know um but definitely (laughs) about the poem i definitely (laughs) i i really enjoyed it because i i really enjoyed the 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 message behind the whole caesar aspect yeah that's a whole i think it was a really good way to analogize you know uh betrayal in in a very beautiful way because um we've all at some point in our lives experienced some kind of betrayal and um, I think Linda is very talented at taking these these sort of um, super, super relatable concepts and putting them in such a beautiful, articulate way. So, yeah, like I really, really I felt it was more of an analogy for, uh, you know, modern life. So I liked it. Excellent work. Thank you. All right. And that will take us to our final poem. Tired Eyes by Kevin Magnus. And I'll, I'll again take this one hostage. Um, I think that this is the inscription on every artist's soul. Uh, I know for one, I am 
easily hypnotized by the the lure of night and um no matter the exhaustion or sleepiness like I'm just a, a night person like I I feel like I thrive better and um I can do more and so the the silence and the solitude it's just it, it's more fruitful and um it, it just it brings to mind like uh my favorite quote from my favorite author Poppy Z. Bright uh 4am knows all my secrets and so I feel like that's a, a good summary of my feelings for this one what about you absolutely another excellent one by Kevin Magnus um the pure wariness um, over pretty much work in general, you know, however you wanted to define that and, and however long, many hours you throw into said work. Um, you definitely can relate to this, whether you are a night person or a day person, you mm-hmm. know, it's just per chance takes us into the night. Um, so I thought it was excellent. Another excellent one by Kevin Magnus. Yes. Thanks, sir. That's going to lead us over to art, the art section. And what we have first is the Anti-Kirin by Talia. I really enjoy how she uses the digital medium to implement her beasts. Um, You know, uh, the way she uses colors, and it's just fantastic work. Yeah, I definitely, I, I complimented the palette um, again. And uh, I love, 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 love Talia's um, thoughtfulness regarding anatomy. I loved the execution of how this creature was articulated. It's so beautiful and um, mesmerizing, you know, and especially uh, the the... Uh, implications of what a Kieran is. I just, it's such a cool take on something. And um, just beautiful, like the, the implication of fur was beautiful and so like lush. And um, and the face, I loved the face and uh, the emotion on it. I just, I really, really love, uh, like you said, Talia's uh, ability to kind of take these, these, these creatures and, create this really amazing narrative around them so yeah all right excellent work beautiful okay i will take this one because i have something very important to say so their next piece is untitled foot pick by ryan scherfenberg now this scared me because i hate feet but dude went old school for this one and it's i love it to death it's so it's ready for print you know and um I, for some reason, my first thought when I saw this was it would be such a cool album cover for, for like Primus, even though it's, you know, uh, 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 2D image and Primus typically uses 3D, but still I just, it fit Primus for me. And, um, I just, I really like the, again, with the color palettes and I, the stippling dude, stippling is hard and I really appreciate it. So yeah. I really like this one. Excellent work there, sir. All right. That's going to bring us to Hidden by Ed Brickberg. And this was another great piece that had the comic book flair. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I definitely love the styling, uh, the coloring, everything about it. Excellent work, sir. Yeah. Um, Ed has this, like, great 
technique that doesn't always uh, a lot of artists don't always know how to apply it and that's the the implication of thousands upon thousands of details and he did a gorgeous job from from the ship to the landscape to our antagonist or protagonist uh it just there it looks like there are i mean millions of of details and it's beautiful and again palette i love the palette on this one um i just I, ed for me is somebody who has definitely honed his craft um and so his work is is really recognizable as his and that's honestly a major feat so gorgeous stunning work sir and that will take us to our next piece Female plate character by Vincent May. Your thoughts? Uh, I remember Vincent had a booth across from us over at PCE. Mm -hmm. um, so undoubtedly, I'm, I'm not surprised his execution on this piece. Uh, you know, I think what would have added to this piece just a little bit would have been chainmail. You know, mm. a little under, underlaying chain mail. That'd mm -hmm. be pretty sweet. Yeah. You know, um, but excellent work there, Vincent. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I do want to take a second for just a silent respect for Vincent's ability to, to draw and design fabric because fabric is painfully difficult. And he did such a brilliant job because it's so uh, uh, luscious and so, like, meaningful and intentionally placed and um, again, with the palette, that like almost shark blue up against that burgundy, stunning. And um, also, I just want to uh, applaud again for sensical footwear. Uh, you know, that's one of those like little details that you pay attention to. And I really like those boots. So uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, let's let's make some cool boots. But no, I loved I loved the whole concept. So very, very amazing, sir. And our next piece, Facing Your Fear by Boriana Ananivia. I'm very sorry if I butchered your name, <laughs> but hopefully this makes up for it. So I'm kind of biased anyway because I love uh, grayscale or monochromatic work, especially up against bold backgrounds. Um, and so I love, 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 love these dynamics of this vermilion in the background and again uh beautiful intentional microscopic teeny tiny details um and super smart decisions uh, uh regarding those details and I, everything from from the armor to the braids in her hair to the folds in her collar just absolutely stunning beautiful beautiful work what about you oh yeah it's definitely excellent work um she caught the uh cover page mm -hmm. this month so obviously that speaks bounds you know in and in of itself um but uh yeah i definitely love the grayscale myself you know um excellent work there mm -hmm. thank you all right take over for the next one we have Ganesha 
by Christopher Harris. I thought this was excellent coloring and styling. Um, you know, it's it's also an interesting interpretation of the religious symbol, you know, that is depicted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because a lot of the times when when artists depict gods, uh, they can kind of like receive backlash you know and i just think this one was awesome yeah this one was was the best word i can think of is easy not easy in technique or anything like that but it was so like easy to grasp and and admire um because you know there's there's a full story happening here and the reactions the neon signs uh uh you know ganesha on the horizon it's just it's it's its own tale and um i just i i really liked this one uh again with those microscopic teeny tiny details like amazing beautiful beautiful stuff and um also uh, applause for that palette because i'm not going to shut up about palettes trust me um <laughs> But yeah, I just I really liked liked everything about this one. Excellent work there, sir. All right. So that will take us over to Space Punk by Skywin. Do you want to go first cuz I do have thinky thoughts? Well, I definitely thought that was excellent coloring and rendering. <laughs> um possibly could the keyboard be used as a weapon? Possibly. You know. Yeah. He uh sends out the tunes and destruction follows you know what i mean i like that theory mm-hmm. uh excellent work there sky yeah i my note reads uh calling myself out for all of this talk about color palettes but uh i love this palette um that stark black and white against that like bold gold and that subtle kind of salmony red um it just it's beautiful and it really like it oh and so and, and everything it's it's so magnificently balanced and well placed and you you understand everything without like needing to understand it does that make sense and I just everything every aspect of this design was uh, a beautiful decision and I mean stunning execution um, was applied so yeah I I loved this one love love love. Excellent work there, sir. So, this was the one that you, you know, you had to ask me about. So, I'm going to have you take over. Yes, this one is entitled Hunger as the Engine of Life, Evolution, and Capitalism by Alonzo Ross. And um, I think I can only sum this up into a few words. I loved everything about this piece. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. Excellent work there, Alonzo. Yeah, this one, um, this is the last time this episode, I promise, but I, I was unfamiliar with Alonzo's work prior. So, of course, I had to look him up and absolutely fell in love with, with his work and his palettes. Um, because when you're going with a monochromatic palette, it's, very easy to mess up it's very easy to get it muddled it's very easy to use the wrong hues but Alonzo is so technically 
able to work this palette into the story of what he's trying to tell. And, um, okay, I'll get that. I got that off my chest. Um, but I love that there's always constantly something for you to look at in this one. Um, and, and a whole lot of like introspection about every, every direction you kind of gaze. And, um, also just the, the detail in every corner, every nook and cranny is beautiful. And her top, that crocheted top, holy crap. I'm envious, like pure and simple, beautiful. And, um, yeah, so, and basically my notes just keep going on about this palette, but I, I love, love this one. So many, many applause, sir. Excellent work. All right. So that wraps up art. All right. Wow. We did it. That will roll us into the review section. Review. The review. And we have a special interview with Don DeBrawl with Mythmaster Kevin Adams. Um, on this particular episode, they tackle, tackle uh, how she got started writing, her favorite movie, authors that inspire her horror style. You know, uh, it was definitely an interesting take on her as a whole. And as you are, as well as I, a fan... Mm -hmm. Of her horse horse riding style, I think it is well worth a listen. Yeah, again, I'm biased, so I'm staying out of this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, go uh, go go grab that a listen, and then uh, see what those two uh, were getting up to. Then uh, that's going to roll us into the review of Bill and Ted Face the Music, and a twofer, and Babysitter Killer Queens. By Moviegoer Grimm. And as a fan of Bill and Ted myself, I believe that this review did it justice. And I have not seen Babysitter, Killer Queens, or the first one. I'm not sure. I think Bella Thorne is in that one. Um, so if you are curious about those two films, go check out the review by Moviegoer Grimm. Can I speak up really quick? Absolutely not. <laughs> I just want to say, I really think that uh, Bill and Ted Face Music was actually one of the better, uh, not reboots, uh, sequels uh, that has come out in the past couple years for films that we know and love from many, many years ago. And uh, just go into it expecting silliness that's it it was delightful what, i'm i like that one. what would you say the best remake is then that would either have to be uh and please don't come after my throat but uh i genuinely loved the jane silent bob reboot uh again please don't come at my throat uh or the haunting of hill house i don't think that was really a remake though that's a continuation it was a reboot i think it was, it was a flat out reboot it was a continuation <laughs> it's a continuation of the same story yeah it was it, but I, I wouldn't i mean even though he right there in the title it says it reboot, reboot. <laughs> anybody who's seen that movie is like okay so he took the characters this thing happened already before and this new thing is happening yeah so it's not really a, a reboot it's I think he was playing around with that. Mm -hmm. At least I would hope. I thoroughly enjoyed it, though. It was it was an excellent film, though. Okay, moving on. Sorry. 
that's going to bring us over to Michael A. Arnold's book review of The Adventure of the English Language by Melvin Brack. It's interesting how in each of Michael's reviews he's able to whip out this knowledge, you know, about any of the subjects he's reviewing. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely worth a read. And if you are interested in learning about the history of the English language, go check that one out. Excellent work, sir. So, that's going to take us over to the video game review of Mortal Kombat 11 by Jeff R. Young. I think it's quite interesting, though, like with these uh, fighting games, that they um, implement new characters. Uh, I myself ha do not play much video games anymore these days. Actually, I haven't played one in a few years now, actually. I keep trying, but he won't. Um, I mean, it it hey, it, it it can become uh it can become overwhelming, you know. But uh, eh, enough about that. If you enjoy Mortal Kombat, go check that review out. Uh, excellent work, sir. Now that's gonna roll us over to the art review of Gino Cervini's Armored Train in Action by Michael A. Arnold. And in this segment, he goes into an interesting review about the futurist movement in art, you know. Um, and, and like I said earlier, it's, 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 it's increasingly refreshing to hear, or read, rather, uh, Michael's, like, in-depth knowledge on these subjects, you know. Uh, definitely worth the looks you on that one. Thank you very much, sir. And that actually cleans up this uh, cleans up this magazine with a commentary from our founder David K. Montoya, where he gives the updates on the biz. Yeah, I guess you could say this is like the 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 full month housekeeping and all. You know, he he tells us about uh, the Full Moon and Helen anthology that uh, just closed its submission date. Uh, how our Open contract challenge winners should have sent in their uh, final entries by now. Um, on top of that, Jeff R. Young, which I pointed out before, uh, his upcoming book, Diary of a Madman, is set to release on October 6th. So uh, in just a few days here. Um, then we also have, uh, we, we talked about it before, uh, Spotify. Uh, Dave has actually struck a deal with Spotify Uh to the podcast's benefit and um so now we're there uh the world of myth bits my public life as an american nerd and loop is bits we're all on spotify uh and with with our dear stephanie slash lupa uh quick shout out for her new endeavor lupa's baskets lou who lou baskets oh my gosh lou baskets which are just like bundles and, and baskets uh, can be sent uh, North America. Really, really cute concepts. Uh, you can always go to loohoobaskets.com. And then uh, also points out about PCE 2021 regarding uh, guests, which hopefully you've been paying attention because we have Carrie Means, the voice of Frylock. We have Bob Carter, speaking of uh, uh, Mortal Kombat 11, the voice of uh, Shao Kahn and Baraka. And we've also got Dominic Pace, uh, who played Jekko in The Mandalorian. And finally, 
what do you guys think about Dustin Diamond attending PCE 2021? So please share your thoughts. Go and read the whole message. Uh, and like I said, I guess that's a really good summary of the housekeeping for the month. Um, so yeah. Well. There it is. Our second <laughs> review. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that's a wrap on issue 88 of the world of myth. And you know, uh, it's been a long, big weekend. Uh, when we're recording this, it's actually before the weekend. But uh, I have my first art show in LA, so I'm very excited. If you guys care, I will try to update you. Um, but yeah, so I'm a little, little eager, a little nervous, a little excited. I haven't done anything like this in a hot minute, so, uh, hopefully it goes well. Um, also really haven't been out of the house in like six, seven months, so that will be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and luckily we're in a, uh, legit setting to where everything's gonna be taken care of to where there's gonna be social distancing. Yeah mass set up you know only a certain amount of people within the walk at a time you know yeah all um, covid precautions and yeah, everything yeah, so but i'm very excited so Not yes really. i had to boast for a second sorry big head well i'm certainly proud of you and i'm sure everybody at jay's oman is proud as well you can always find us at www.theworldofmyth.com on both facebook and twitter at the World of Myth Bits podcast, and at the World of Myth magazine, and also on Instagram, just at the World of Myth Bits. And, uh, yeah. Uh, one last quick note. Excellent job to everybody who submitted. Um, excellent work to everyone. Uh, and thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs> The world of myth, bitch. Hello there, the angel from the nightmare, the shadow in the background of the morning.